Hello everyone and welcome to the Wilds Cast. Today's episode is a rebroadcast of a lunch and learn that Rabbi Wilds gave on Facebook Live. This is the second of two episodes on the topic of health and halacha. Today, Rabbi Wilds discusses the question, what is the Jewish perspective on cosmetic surgery? So, without further ado, here's Rabbi Wilds. Right now, stick with us, guys. I've got an amazing class on cosmetic surgery. We live in a time of technology where we're not only able to communicate with each other, but we're able to fix parts of our bodies that perhaps we're unhappy with. What is the Jewish attitude when it comes to doing this kind of elective surgery? Um, and I forgot to give you the source sheet, but don't worry about the source sheets. I'm going to be explaining everything outside. I'm going to get it right now. It's over here. Um, okay. Here we go. For my handout. It's an unbelievable handout, and I, I apologize I couldn't share it with you, but it's totally okay. I'm going to go through each of the to vote. Now, if I asked you a question, what issues are involved with cosmetic surgery? What's the problem if, uh, if it's relatively safe for me? Wow, 43 guys in a regular lunch and learn. This is amazing. Lee, hello, Lee. <laughs> uh, sorry we got cut off. I'm back in my office. It feels great and weird. Very apocalyptic, this building right now. It's kind of strange. But um, what are some of the issues? Um, putting yourself under the knife, let's say, just to look better. I'm not happy with the way God created a certain part of my body. It's making me feel insecure. If it can make me feel better about myself, what's wrong as long as it's not dangerous? We do know that there is, in some extreme cases, a, uh, an addictive aspect to cosmetic surgery. There are people who have the money who have become addicted to cosmetic surgery. You can sometimes tell when you meet some people who just keep having it again and again. And what about the whole idea of like sort of fighting reality, right? God wants me to look like this when I'm 20, and now I'm 40, God wants me to look like that. When I'm 60, God looks look like, you know, may, am I fighting the way God wanted me to be by changing something? On the other hand, God gave me an intellect. He sent me to medical school or other people, well, your parents sent you to medical school. And um, of course, God gave us the, the brains that we have to come up with the technology to be able to change the way we look. Um, is that really sort of going against what God wanted for us? Or is it just, you know, God told Adam, Vikiv Shuha, conquer the world, harness the forces of nature, you know, cure disease. So it's different, obviously, isn't it, between curing COVID-19, right, corona, which is killing people, and just fixing up myself. Shouldn't, there, shouldn't the halacha make a distinction between, you know, doing things that might harm me initially but will save me? from doing things that will just make me look better, but maybe that will save me too. How many you know, years have people spent on therapist couch trying to feel better about the way they feel about themselves, which is affected by the way we look, but how much are we then giving into society? You know, I see this also in the Orthodox community when people are getting fixed up with each other, how paramount it is to look a certain way. And isn't that really anti what Judaism is all about? We're a soul with a body as Rabbi Ezra said last night, not a body with a soul. And therefore, maybe we should be more focused on, you know, maybe pouring money into making ourselves look better is really not the way to go. So that's sort of the question. Now, in terms of the Jewish legal issues, first of, first of all, we have a mitzvah, 
It's a verse from Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 15. And you shall guard your soul very carefully. And it's funny, even though the word nefesh is referring to the soul, not the body, the rabbis of the Talmud understand that that pasuk, that verse, Deuteronomy 4, 15, chapter 4, verse 15, is referring to the mitzvah to physically guard your body from anything unhealthy. So smoking and other things I blogged about, vaping, how people are seeing during this corona period of time that vaping is is only going to decrease their chances if they get corona of being able to fight, have the antibodies to fight this, this disease. So uh, what about putting yourself under the knife, putting yourself under anesthesia and uh, opening yourself up to infection? Um, but we know that we can do certain things. What about piercing ears? You've seen many people in the very Orthodox community, people have ear piercings all the time. What, is that... Is that prohibited under Unishmarta Mitanaf Shotechem? So we're going to discuss all of this. Um, the Rambam writes very, very importantly, the great Maimonides, in his Laws of the Wounder and Damager, Asur Adam Lechvol Ben Ba'atzmo Ben It is forbidden for a person to wound himself or wound his friend. Bilvad El Kolamake Adam Kosher Ben Ben Gadol Ben Ish Ben Isha Derech Nitzayon. Hareze over below It is forbidden to wound yourself or a friend, and not only the wounder, but any person who strikes any fellow Jew. It's absolutely forbidden to strike a non Jew too, but this particular prohibition refers specifically to, to Jews, whether it's a minor or an adult, whether it's a man or whether it's a woman, in an abusive manner. You're not allowed to strike or hurt someone in an abusive manner. That's going to be a very important source that a lot of the contemporary rabbis argue, when you put yourself under the knife, cosmetic surgery, are you abusing yourself? Um, excuse me, are you wounding yourself? Yes, clearly you're wounding yourself. But the Rambam seems to say that in order to be in violation of this negative precept, you may not add on to his blows. That's the verse in Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 3, lo yosif lahakoto. You may not add on to his blows, to his hitting another person. You're not allowed to do that. That is only if you're doing it in an abusive manner. Okay. Um, what I'd like to do with you, also, here's another source from the Talmud that says, uh, So you know they used to do this thing called bloodletting. That was understood in, in the medieval world as a way of um, dealing with certain disease. They would literally... Um, remove blood from certain parts of the body, uh, and it was believed in medicine uh, to have been helpful. So what about uh, bloodletting? Because you're clearly wounding the other person. So Rav Masna said, The verse in the Torah says, Love your neighbor as yourself. And the other opinion, Rav Chanina says, Maka adam umaka behema, ma maka behema l'refua patur, just like causing a wound on an animal is permissible if the wound is necessary for healing, right? Af maka adam refua patur. So too, wounding another human being if it's for a refua, right? No one's going to say in Judaism, oh, I'm sorry, you cannot operate on this patient because operating on this patient means you're going to put them under and you're going to open them up and that opens up the person to infection, God forbid. But the only way to save the person is to perform the surgery. It's obviously mutar. It's permissible under the mitzvah of the rapo that you shall heal.
God gave the Jewish people the mitzvah to heal, uh, not just Jewish people, any human being, of course. So I want to study three different shuvot, three contemporary rabbis who lived in our, around our generation, maybe a fourth, that weighed into this concept, into this question of um, cosmetic surgery, and all operating with these principles. You're not allowed to wound another person. The Maimonides seems to say the wounding is only prohibited if it's done in an abusive manner. And the Talmud tells us that you're allowed to wound someone if it's for a refuah, for a helic. Is fixing one's nose if one's unhappy with one's nose. Um, is that a refuah? Is that a healing? So it's not a physical healing, but maybe psychologically, maybe emotionally. If someone is unhappy with a part of their body, um, you know, and you now you could say that, let's say, removing a lot of weight might be able to, if someone is obese, for example, and they can have a surgical procedure where they can remove a lot, and, and, that, and that can take some pressure off the heart, and that's clearly a refua. So we might be able to distinguish between certain types of refuas. Let's say a person has a deviated septum, and they're not breathing properly, so they get a nose job, and they weren't doing it for cosmetic reasons, they were doing it to breathe better. Clearly there's a difference. But what about it just to look better? So Rav, Tzvi, Rav Eliezer Tzvi Waldenberg, um, he wrote, he was a, a great, great rabbi. He was born in 1917, and he was a member of Israel's Supreme Rabbinical Court and the rabbi of one of the most prominent hospitals in Israel. Do you know that hospitals in Israel get rabbis? So they answer all the medical ethical questions. Shari Tzedek Medical Center in Jerusalem was uh, the rabbi for many years was Rabbi Eliezer Yehuda Waldenberg, and he wrote numerous books and articles in all fields of halacha, but he was best known for his decisions on medical issues involving fertility, abortion, organ transplantation, euthanasia, autopsy, smoking, and of course, cosmetic surgery, our topic. Welcome everyone, I wanna thank everyone for joining. Anyone has any questions, please feel free to continue to ask. So, here we go. In my opinion, I'm reading from his tshuva, and I wanna thank my dear friend and colleague, Rabbi Avi Heller, who translated these chuvas for MGE so we could have them available in English. In my opinion, there are ramifications of this issue regarding plastic surgeries that doctors are currently performing on many people for the sake of beautifying their organs, even when there is no sickness or pain. And there is a good basis to argue, he says, that it was not for this reason that the Torah gave permission to our doctors to heal. So right away, he's starting a little negative. He's saying that the Torah permits you to do certain things to heal people, but not to simply make them look better, even if you can call this healing, he says. And it is not permitted, therefore, to allow doctors to hurt you for this purpose, and there's no permission for the doctor to perform it. And one should know and believe that there is no designer like our God, and he designed and created every human being in their own form according to his image, which is instantiated with him, and there's nothing to be added or taken away. It is clear there's no license except when wounding comes to heal, to return the loss of one's body, but not to wound the body in order to change it according to their wishes and to be quote-unquote smarter than the image which his creator made in order to renew their youth and to destroy the edict of the king of the world. Um, and he's basically against it. He's basically against it. Don't worry for those of you who had cosmetic surgery or thinking of getting it. There are other opinions, but I want you to hear all the opinions. This is a very well-respected rabbi in medical ethics, and he was a rabbi of Shari Tzedek Hospital, and he said, listen, the Torah permits us to do certain things that initially harms us, but it's for the sake of the rapo to heal. 
but it's got to be a real healing. It can't just be because I want to look different. And he gets into a little philosophy. What is it saying that I want to look different? It means like I'm not happy. I'm trying to be smarter than God. God, why did you give me a nose that looks like this? Why did you give me hips that look like? Why did you give me? You can start doing that, and it's not a very, very healthy thing to do, he's saying. When wounding comes to heal, healing, you cannot construe this as, um, you know, a, a cosmetic surgery. Uh, again, if the cosmetic surgery is necessary for some sort of medical necessity, then that would be a different story. That is the opinion of Rav Eliezer Tzvi Waldenberg. Rav Moshe Feinstein, who was the great rabbi that I introduced you all to yesterday, he was the rabbi that was asked the question in 1977 by the religious couple from Lakewood, New Jersey, is it okay for us to sacrifice one of our baby twins that are joined at the, at the chest in order to sacrifice one life to save another? Rabbi, if we do nothing, the doctors are telling us they will both die. But we know that we're not allowed to take a person's life, even to save another. But in this instance, would it be permissible? And we went through a whole tshuva, a whole response of Rav Moshe Feinstein, and he said yes. Listen to what Rav Moshe says about cosmetic surgery. He was asked the question, is it permitted for a young girl, I guess the question was a very specific thing for a young girl, to beautify herself via surgery, which involves bodily damage. Um, he says, and he quotes the Rambam, Aval HaRambam hu katav mechovo be'isor hakal adam kosher misrael shubmaka derech nitzayon. That striking a person of Israel, which is a striking in an abusive manner, is what the Torah prohibits. And if so, then the fact is that this wounding, the wounding involved in cosmetic surgery, is not done for abuse. It's actually done for beauty. It is not abusive, it's not degrading, and so therefore the prohibition of wounding another person, which is a very serious prohibition, by the way, um, of, of wounding someone else or yourself, does not apply, because the only time the prohibition, according to Moshe Feinstein, applies to yourself or someone else is when it's a wounding in an abusive manner. And this is just the opposite. The reason why, let's say in, this, in the case of a nose job, that someone is being wounded is they're breaking the nose in order to reset it to make it look more attractive. And therefore, Rav Moshe was very, very curt on this. It was very, very straightforward. That's the prohibition is wounding abusively. This is not an abusive wounding. It's a wounding. Cosmetic surgery, let's say breast augmentation, which involves that, or let's say um, um, liposuction, all this kind of stuff that's done just to make oneself look a little better. Um, maybe liposuction is different because it's uh, maybe there's a real physical healing involved. But even if it's not physical healing, since the prohibition, according to Moshe Feinstein, is only if it's done, if the abuse is done in an abusive manner, then uh, it only applies, that prohibition applies, and therefore it's permissible. According to Moshe Feinstein, he disagrees completely with the first rabbi, Rabbi Lezer Tzvi Waldenberg, and Rav Moshe was a big, was a heavy hitter, and um, he said it was okay. I'm going to study two more opinions. Rav Breish, who was the, uh, born in Poland in 1896, Rabbi Yaakov Breish, he served as the rabbi of a number of communities in Poland and Germany, and in 1934, he fled from the Nazis, settled in Switzerland, where he served as the rabbi of the Jewish community. I always wondered if my mother's family, my grandparents, um, knew him um, or 
because they lived actually in Liechtenstein. They fled Nazi Germany in 1937, and they lived from 37 to 40 um, in Liechtenstein. My mother of blessed memory was born in Zurich, in Switzerland, and he was the rabbi then. Um, so I don't know, but I always wondered about that. Anyway, listen to what he writes. He uh, published a number of chuvot on this issue, and he said, answering the question, is it permissible for a young woman to have surgery? He was asked specifically about a nose job to strain her nose and to beautify it. In our case, we have both, he says. For probably she is embarrassed by her nose to go with her friends. And since in general, women are judged by their beauty. If so, there is no greater pain than this. So it is a clear halachic decision. Meaning it's permissible. He thinks it's okay. It's very interesting. He's directly responding to the question that he was posed. And he says that since, unfortunately, women are judged by the beauty. Now, I think everyone in our society is judged by their beauty. But unfortunately, women are more objectified in our society than men are still. And since people are judged, in particular women, by their beauty, she's in pain. And she's using this to heal her pain. And that is therefore permissible. He didn't get into... Says the Sharle Sot Chabura, because of the tsa'ar, the anguish that she's experiencing, even though, this is me speaking now, you would say maybe she should get over her anguish, get some therapy, and realize that this is the way Hashem created her, or me, or you, and I've got this, and you've got that. We all have our imperfections, and we have to learn how to embrace them and not to change them necessarily. He said, no, this is the way, unfortunately, people are um, evaluated, and you have to deal with the reality. He quotes all of these sources. Okay. Uh, he's taking a very, very practical kind of approach. One last approach that I will share with you, and that was Rav Shlomo Zalman Orbach. Rav Shlomo Zalman Orbach was the, seemed to, uh, after, Rav Shlomo, after Moshe Feinstein, Rav Moshe Feinstein passed away, um, Rav Orbach seemed to be considered the leading halachic authority. He lived in Israel. He was an extremely humble man. And I feel like I have a little of a connection, not because I knew him directly, but because one of my uh, Rebbeim, uh, Rav Nevensel, I'm just looking at a picture on my wall of a picture of me and my Rebbe, Rav Nevensel. Rav Nevensel, Shlita, should live and be well. One of the greatest halachic and uh, Talmudic and just uh, just a tzaddik, uh, gen, uh, righteous uh, person of our generation, was chavrutas for 40 years, was a study partner for 40 years with Shlomo Zalman Orbach. And Rav Orbach was born in Jerusalem in 1910, and he was also recognized as one of the prominent poskim, halachic decisors. Many of his decisions and works related to halachic problems uh, arose in terms of modern technology, and at the age of 22, he published a book called Meorei Eish, which dealt with the issues of electricity and Shabbat, which is a whole big area. And many of the halachic literature and responses written by other rabbis were based on Rav Orbach's work. So he's a real seminal thinker and halachic authority. He said the following, Plastic surgery. I will respond to you briefly, but my humble opinion that in cases when it is not done for the sake of beauty, but because of pain. Now he's kind of forging a middle road. We have opinions already that say it's forbidden, right? Who was the, the first opinion was Rav Eliezer Tzvi Waldenberg. This is not what the Torah permitted doctors to heal for. Healing is to heal you physically. 
and um, a, there's no designer like our God, and you're trying to be smarter than God, and it's forbidden. Uh, Rav Moshe Feinstein disagreed and went to the other view and said, no, the prohibition is to wound someone in an abusive manner. Elective or cosmetic surgery is wounding someone. You have to break the nose in order to, re- in, in order to reset it, but you're doing it for the sake of beauty, not abusive, and therefore it's permissible. And Rav Breish went along with that for a little different reason that unfortunately, since people are judged by their beauty and there's, their person's experiencing pain, comes along Rav Shlomo Zalman and kind of de- develops a middle approach a little. The middle approach was, which is to say, my humble opinion that in cases when it is not done for the sake of beauty, but because of pain and the like, i.e. the nose is very deformed from ordinary people and he's embarrassed by it, it is possible to be lenient for the intention is only to remove the defect so he can be like other men. And this is not similar to, quote, fixing women. So here, too, it's possible to be lenient, meaning if there's something that rises to the level of a deformity, then it would be permissible, according to Rav Shlomo Zalman. But in cases where the intention is simply to beautify, it seems to be forbidden. The prohibition of wounding one's body seems to be not applicable when it is a case of repair. So he puts in another element. If it's repairing something that is out of the ordinary, now of course this is, could be get, get a little subjective. Someone could be incredibly self-conscious about a part of their body and then think that they're just so different from everyone else and someone else might look at them and go, yeah, maybe the nose is a little bitter or bigger, or maybe it's this, but I don't, and you know, beauty of course is in the eyes of the beholder. So how do you determine that? It's a little gray. And that's why anyone is considering cosmetic surgery I really, not just for the halacha, but for the psychology and the emotions that are part of this kind of decision to put oneself under the knife and to change, it might be appropriate. And as you can see, there is halachic allowance for this, but one should be careful. And depending on the opinion that the rabbi is relying upon, like Rav Shlomo Zalman Orbach is saying, it needs to rise to the level of repair as opposed to simple beautification. But... It's a little unclear, when is it considered repair? One person could be thinking, I'm really abnormal, I don't have a normal looking, whatever it is. Uh, My ears are completely sticking out, there is a surgery that you can do to pull your ears in. My ears are all the way over here, and that's just weird. Like Now, if we did a poll in the world, how many people in the world have their ears like this? Do we make the assessment based on objective standards? I don't know, I think it might actually come down to how the person is feeling, if they feel so different. And it's really causing problems. Um, ideally, I would probably imagine, all these rabbis would say, that if you can get over it and you can embrace your body and yourself physically the way you are, that's the ideal. But let's say a person's really struggling with it. And they have other things to struggle, and they can't win every battle. And, they, and, 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 and the doctors demonstrate that this is relatively safe and we've got the technology today so that um, uh, the, 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 uh, the, the risk of infection and other things of, that are involved in, in surgery is so minimous today that it is really not a problem, then there might be really a leeway for um, to be able to do cosmetic surgery. I'm uh, a lightweight, certainly relative to these great rabbis, so I'm not, this is way above my pay grade, which is why I'm sharing with you opinions of some of the great rabbis of our generation. But it's a really interesting uh, question. And I think it begs a bigger issue, which is not just, is it technically okay? 
is it technically a violation of, of, um, of wounding oneself? According to Rav Moshe Feinstein, it is not. According to others, it might be. Uh, there's a debate on that. But the deeper issue as to whether or not, how do we really deal with um, you know, our bodies? How do we deal with the way we are as opposed to the way we want to be? And this is a very, very important question I thought I would just spend a moment on because we spend so much time in our lives and not just in terms of our bodies, but we spend a lot of time in our lives trying to change our reality as opposed to learning how to develop ourselves within our reality. And this is an extremely important uh, and difficult area because we're always supposed to get better. We're supposed to improve ourselves. I'm encouraging my children to work out every day, especially during this corona period, right? Because we want to feel good about ourselves and we want to be healthy. And if we are a little overweight, then we shouldn't be satisfied with that. We should, we should try to lose the weight, eat more healthily and exercise. But you can get to a place where we're only happy if, and it doesn't just apply to the way we are physically, it applies to everything. If I only had a better job, I'd be happy. If the gr my girlfriend looked a little better, I'd be happy. And all these different things, and we work so much in our society about fixing the externalities, as opposed to learning how to become happy within the reality that I have. Very, very important and passage in the Talmud that speaks to this issue. It says that in the Tractate of Nida, um, there is this uh, angel. The angel's name is Layla, and um, it is assigned to pregnancy. I know that sounds a little weird, but there are different angels in the Kabbalistic world that are assigned to different parts of our lives. And the angel assigned to pregnancy is called Layla, and uh, there is a story in the Talmud where the angel of Layla takes a drop and the Rashi says, the commentator on the Talmud, that it was a drop of sperm. And brings this drop of sperm before God and says, Tipazu, this drop, Matehe Aleha, what will become of it? Right, this drop of sperm, it hasn't even fertilized the egg. And the angel is asking God, what's going to come of this drop? Will it be a wise person or a foolish person? Will it be a strong person or a weak person? Will it be a smart person or a foolish person? Will it be a, uh, a, um, a rich person or a poor person? And that's a real problem because it seems like even before the sperm has fertilized the egg, even before there's been a person formed, it seems like a lot of these things are predetermined. It's a whole class, it's a whole source that I teach in my, my class on free will. But don't fret. Because one question that the angel never asks God, whether this drop will determine, will, will develop into a person that will be a tzaddik or rasha, a righteous person or a, a wicked person. Why? Because a kol b'shamayim he chutz mirat shamayim, says the Talmud. Because everything is in God's hands, except for the fear of God. What does that mean? In a sense, you know, we believe in free will in Judaism. It's a cornerstone of our faith, but... How much free will do we really have on how we look? How much free will do we have really on how much money we make? How much free will do we have on how smart or not so smart we are? We can tweak all of these things, but we all know that we're created in a certain way and we can tweak the way we look. We can work out, we can lose weight, we can do it, and we should. We should perfect ourselves even physically as much as we can within reason. And we can do the same thing intellectually. 
We can do the same thing money-wise. But the one area, but it's circumscribed within a certain kind of framework. We don't have full ability to change exactly how much money. We like to think we do, but we grow up in a certain socioeconomic status. We go to certain schools and we're limited. Some people can break out and there are exceptions to every rule, rags to riches. And you could change the way you look to some degree. And we can, But we spend so much time in our society trying to change that. When the one thing we can totally change and over which we have total control, everything's in God's hands, the way we look and how much money, rich or poor, smart, not as so smart, except Yurat Shemaim, which is our fear of God, which is our value system. Our value system we have total control over. That is given to us to completely master in our lives. And what, what pains me sometimes is when I see, and we're all subject to this, so many people in our world trying to change so many things about their lives that can be tweaked a little. But what can be dramatically changed is our values, is the way we behave, the way we speak, what we eat, what we, what we choose to do, the people we interact with, the professions we go into. Those are things that we have total control over. Total control. And guess what? What are we really evaluated on in our lives? How much money we make? What we look like? You think God really cares about those things? On Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, when we come to synagogue, and we're praying to God, and we're asking God, please forgive me for A, B, and C. Do you think, we're, does anyone imagine that they're being evaluated with how successful they were in the last year? We pray to Hashem to bless us with success. Who doesn't want success? And you can do great things with money and with success. Of course, that's the story of Joseph in the Bible. But the way we're evaluated after 120 and every year Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur is not what we look like, not how much money, not how smart we were that year, but how ethically refined we were, what kind of mensch we were, whether or not we developed our relationship with, our, with God, did we cultivate our soul to draw ourselves closer to Hashem, did we pray enough, did we give enough charity, did we treat other people kindly, right? Corona's going on, and you know, when, when there's a crisis, Everything gets stripped down to its basics. What are the basics? Does anybody care how much we look like? Does anybody care? It's one of the things I love about Corona, people being interviewed now, even on network TV. They don't look so perfect anymore. They got the baseball cap in their basement, and they're not looking, you know, all the makeup isn't on, and it's just like who you are. The real you. The real us is our soul. We are a soul in a body. We are not bodies in a soul. And that's why what truly matters in life is the cultivation of our values and our ethics and our spiritual relationship with God and with our fellow human being. Those are the most important things in life. And that's what we suspend, and that's where our self-esteem should come from. So I'm not saying if you're very um, self-conscious about a part of the body and, and maybe uh, elective cosmetic surgery can, can change it a little. That might, it might be perfectly permissible under Jewish law and therefore, not against our value system at all. But that shouldn't really ultimately make us happy. What should make us happy in life, and, and by the way, it's okay if it makes us a little happy, right? We, we're, we're physical beings, and it matters the way we look, right? We feel better about ourselves when we look better. We can present ourselves better in front of other people. But if that's the end all and be all, if that's what's going to make me happy, then guess what? We're going to have to keep changing the way we look. 
we're going to have to get to the next surgery. We're going to have to find the next job promotion or the next thing that makes us look materially or makes us feel externally better. But deep down, we will still have that hole. Deep down, we will still be unhappy because we are souls in bodies. We are not bodies with souls. And if you keep feeding the body and you ignore the soul, you're going to be unhappy. That's what I wrote in my first chapter on happiness. Happiness has to do with cultivating the deeper things in life and our relationships and our friendships and the way we treat each other and my relationship with my creator. Because we all know deep down, the sensitive at least among us know that we have something greater than the animal kingdom. And if we don't feed that part of who we are and we put all of our sort of happy eggs, if you will, our happiness eggs in the basket of physical success, material success, the way I look, how much money, whatever it is. And by the way, there's nothing wrong in Judaism. We're not an ascetic people. Nothing wrong with Judaism with feeling happier because I have a little more. And, and that's normal. And there's nothing wrong with that. But all of the studies demonstrate that as long as you have what you need, a roof above your head, clothing on your back, you have food, and you're not worried about the next paycheck, then more stuff is not a positive correlation to more happiness. My professor, Dr. Pelkovitz, professor of psychology at Yeshiva University, loves to say that the man, I put this in my book, chapter one, beyond the instant, Amazon.com, it will send it to your home. It's like 16 bucks. It's a great read. And um, he says that the um, blue-collar worker with his brown bag sitting on the bus on the way to his, um, his blue-collared position at work is no less happy <clears throat> than the executive sitting in the chauffeured limousine, sitting beside him on the road, being taken to his job, to his seven-figured salaried position. As long as they both are not worried about where their, their, their next meal is going to come from, and they have a roof above their head, they have clothing, more things doesn't mean more happiness. So think twice before putting yourself under the knife whether or not this is really going to do it. And if it can help you a little, then you want to talk to someone and just make sure that that is a smart decision and minimize all of the, um, minimize all of the, uh, um, you know, the dangers, the physical dangers, and get yourself a good doctor and 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 do the procedure in the best possible way because there is halachic allowance to do this clearly but to do it for the right reasons because it's one of the issues. And if you fix this, whether it's the nose or it's the breast augmentation, or it's whatever it is, you know, that you're not putting all of your eggs in that basket because that's not what's going to ultimately make us happier. Um, but it could be part of the process of getting a little more self-esteem and therefore it might be permissible and therefore it doesn't go against any of the technical rules according to some of the rabbis, according to others it does. Okay, let's get some questions here. Construction workers are happier in many cases, okay? Uh, we can have it all, Amy is saying. Uh, Khani is asking, most plastic surgery consults include a psych evaluation, I did not know that, which helps determine the individual's motivation for, choo for choosing the procedure. That is actually very, very encouraging, you know? Um, and, and it shows, the MGE sign just fell. It's still intact, look how much endurance the Manhattan Jewish experience has. Um, it shows that it's not just... 
forget that. It shows that it's not just about the money and it shouldn't just be about the money. And, uh, you know, we, we're hoping that the medical profession and uh, plastic surgeons are not, you know, uh, taking advantage. By the way, another question people have, if somebody gets hurt, um, they fall. I remember one of my kids just a couple of years ago um, fell on the ice just across the street from MJE um, and he had to get some stitches, you know, right in the middle of his face. So, of course, we called the plastic surgeon. You know, um, th th there's nothing, you know, that's not considered cosmetic surgery. The person needs, you know, uh, stitches anyway, and you might as well do them in the least, you know, in the most attractive way. No nothing wrong with that, of course. But as I say, there is allowance for cosmetic surgery under certain circumstances, as we discussed. Let's see if there are any questions or any other comments that come up. A good eyebrow raise. Thank you, Rachel. Um, yeah. So I don't even know what time it is here. Let's see. It's 1.14. All right, we're going to close up in a minute. I want to make a quick pitch while we still have 39 people on watching. Up, oh, back up to 40. That 40th person could be the answer to our dreams. Please don't let the day go by without making a donation. I, I know the last thing you're thinking about right now is donating and giving away some of your money. Uh, MGE has been trying extremely hard to keep all of our MGE staff on staff. Why? What are people, what, are, what is our whole staff doing? You know what they're doing? They're organizing these classes. We have 20 different things being offered on Facebook Live every week. Kabbalat, Shabbat, and Havdalah, this lunch and learn every day. Uh, Ezra and, and I, Rabbi Ezra and I, and Dr. Adina Berkowitz just did this amazing panel last night. We're doing these all the time. We just had Yossi Klein Alevi and Dr. Moshe Avital, and we're doing a lot of this um, to really keep people pumped um, spiritually and emotionally because so much of our community of MG is really isolated and alone. A lot of people are enjoying their families right now, but a lot of our participants are not um, with families. Their families are somewhere else, and they're stuck here in the city in a tiny little apartment. So we're trying to keep a lot of the other thing I'm extremely proud of is the Zoom Seder we did from California. We had over 400 people tune in for that. And I got to tell you, this period of time for MGE has been difficult, but we are, we are gaining um, followers during this time. We're not just trying to hold on to all the MGE participants that we used to have, but when we come out of this thing, there are going to be more people coming to MGE before because we are trying to be there for each other. And this is the most important therapy I can give anyone. Any of you sitting there wondering, what am I doing the rest of the day? Write, write a check. Go online. Um, I think we posted it on this chat. Uh, you can just go on the MGE um, website, the Facebook. We sent out a big email, and uh, it's, po it's posted on this Facebook page, how to make an online donation. Please do it online because it's hard to process checks and things like that. It would be very, very helpful to us. And, um, and help us stay strong during this period of time and continue to grow the community. We also, I want to just give a shout out to the medical healthcare workers. We've spent today and yesterday talking about healthcare and medical ethics, but God bless, God bless all these doctors. I want to mention one doctor in particular, and that is my good friend, Alan Perlman. Uh, Khani Perlman, who's our educational director, one of our educational directors at MJE, who many of you know and love. Her husband is a nephrologist at Cornell. He's a professor at Cornell, and he's a doctor. Khani hardly sees Alan. Alan is out all day and much of the night healing patients and dealing with COVID-19. She told me he wears three masks, and he wears that whole hazman suit, 
and they the and the patients when he walks in can't even see him. They don't they can't rec so he has a picture of himself and with his name on it and he introduces himself and he has to go back and forth with the families because the family are not allowed in there. And he has literally been so helpful to so many people that have been very, very sick. And I just want to give Yuji Shakoch Tachani for helping and supporting Alan so he could be helpful and supportive to so many people. I want to give Yuji Shakoch also to all the MGE participants who've had COVID, who got Corona, and have been uh, giving blood plasma in hospitals. I just bumped into, I'm not going to mention her name, she doesn't want everyone to know, but I saw her, I was walking on the street on the west side, and I saw a friend of mine who just came back from the hospital. She waited for quite a while to give blood, because she had COVID, her whole family did, and they all went to donate plasma, and God bless them, and kolakavod for them. I really, I think it's incredible, and MGE obviously is not in the business of saving physical lives. We're in the business of saving people's lives spiritually. But I would say that during this corona period, we're trying, our goal is to keep people spiritually pumped, to stay sane, and to give love and support to those people who are saving physical lives. I want to thank my dear friend Moshe Bellows also. He had COVID. He's one of the first friends of mine that had corona. And when he got healed, he went right to the hospital to donate also, um, whatever. They've been, po I'm just mentioning the people, my dear friend Avi Yashavsky. Uh, Dr. Barry is amazing. Barry Yashavsky, Avi's uh, wife, who's a dear friend and, and an unbelievable person, Jew, mother, physician. And what she is doing for people right now, um, I mean, it, it's just amazing. And we, we should feel very, very proud. Please open up your window at seven o'clock and yell and scream and express gratitude and love. Please continue to take care of yourself and continue to come in and join us. Tomorrow we have a guest speaker um, who's going to be coming in lunch and learn tomorrow, and that's Rabbi Avi Heller. He's an amazing. The last talk he gave in for Israel was amazing. I watched the whole thing. He's incredible. I'll be back here on Thursday and, and Friday as well for lunch and learn, but Avi's going to be coming in. To, not but. Avi will be coming in tomorrow. He's an amazing teacher, and I was asked to... Um, Announce that, um, give your tax stimulus check if you're still employed. Oh, give your tax stimulus check if you're still employed. Thank you, Joseph. Tonight also, we have a class, Seven Ways to Grow as a Person and as a Jew during the Corona Era on Facebook Live and Zoom. That'll be tonight as well. Thank you, Rachel. Um, oh, I'm sorry. It's not Rabbi Avi. I was wrong. Rabbi Avi is teaching tonight. I just gave you his topic. Rabbi Avi is teaching... Seven Ways to Grow as a Person and as a Jew During Corona. To, um, tomorrow is going to be Dr. Dina Berkowitz for Lunch and Lunch. She is excellent. Um, I was very proud to sit on the panel with her last night. So tune in here tomorrow. I'll see you guys back on Thursday. Also, I'm teaching on Wednesday night a class on prayer, my next level class. It is open for anyone who's interested, but it is on Zoom, not on Facebook Live. If you'd like to participate in that, shoot me an email, Mark Wilds at gmail, um, M-A-R-K-W-I-L-D-E-S at gmail. Thank you all for participating and joining and coming in. Enjoy the beautiful day. Stay healthy, stay strong. And um, I hope uh, we grew a little from our discussion together. Thanks for listening, everyone. It was a pleasure. And what an honor to come to you live from MJE. Be good. Remember, don't let the day go by without picking up the phone and calling someone who could use a word of comfort and encouragement. God bless you all.
We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Wildscast. Subscribe to our show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app. If you haven't already, please leave us a review on the Apple Podcast Store. It only takes a minute, and when you do, it helps others discover the show. For more information about the Manhattan Jewish Experience, visit our website at jewishexperience.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks again for joining us today.